the Pinball Network is online. Launching the Plum. Can we pour one out for Pinberg? Is that possible? I'm just kidding. I'm not actually pouring this beer out. I am, however, going to enjoy this beer on a Wednesday night in the middle of a work week because it's been a rough day. Kind of a sad day. We'll talk about it. Episode 7. So in case you didn't know what I was referring to in my cold open, or as I like to call it, my cold beer open, the uh, the Replay Foundation, which is the company that's basically responsible for putting on Replay FX and uh, in turn Pinberg, is discontinuing public events. That means no Pinberg in the foreseeable future. A few optimistic friends have said things like, um, it's not forever, the, the foundation still exists in some form, uh, maybe 2021, 2022, etc., etc. A lot of people have brought up the fact that they kind of survived a flood, they came back, and Pinberg still happened, um, which is really just a positive way of looking at it. That's, that's great. It's optimistic. It's hopeful. I'm just sad that I don't get to see my pinball family in the next maybe two years. I mean, maybe. Maybe at events. Who knows? Who really knows? There's got to be a light at the end of the tunnel as far as this, as far as this is concerned. And listen, I know there's a, lot, there's a lot bigger things going on in the world right now. There's a lot of things that are, that are harsh. A lot of people have lost family members, and I know that keeping all of us safe so that we can continue to play pinball in the future is the most important thing. For now, we have streaming. We have our own pinball at home. We've got Pinball Arcade. And, um, you know, we have each other because it is just pinball, and we're all still friends with or without it. For fear of getting too mushy and, and maybe overthinking it or, or being afraid that maybe I'm being a little bit melodramatic. I, I, I keep hearing the word devastated being used, which is, it's kind of spot on. Like, I'm pretty sure I approached my coworker today at noon with tears in my eyes and I, he probably thought that someone died. <laughs> I was, I was upset about it. And I, I think a lot of people are as well, but again, it, it's not the end of the world. It's not the end of pinball. So many people have made such wonderful friends from this event, um, and so many good connections have been made. Uh, so, so it's hard to think about it, it not happening in the next two years. It really is because it's a lot of our vacations. It's been referred to as pinball summer camp and um, like a big family reunion. So, so it's it's hard to not have it around. And and I don't want to apologize for the fact that I'm upset about it. But again. 
there's got to be hope. We have to have optimism for it. And um, there's, there's going to be more events in the future. For now, I think it would be really cool if you all shared your stories of your favorite Pinberg memories. Um, and especially if it's a story about making a new friend or making like a lifelong friend or, or something cutesy, cutesy wootsy like that, you know, um, tearjerker, the whole nine yards, all that stuff. So if you if you want to share that with me, I would love to read it on the podcast because it feels good. And it feels I just love hearing stories like that, as I'm sure a lot of other people who are Pinberg goers do. So if you want to share that, uh, you can email me. It's the Plum Pinball Podcast at gmail.com. And um, hopefully I could read it on the next episode or maybe the one after. Um, that would be awesome. In the meantime, I actually have a guest on this week who I did meet in person at Pinberg the first time. Uh, his name is Marty Robbins. He is the host of the Final Round Pinball Podcast. At the time when I met him, he was doing a podcast called Head to Head. Him and his Australian mate, Ryan C., did a really great interview buddy show. Uh, I don't even know what you want to call it. It was great fun. Great, great fun. And um, again, another one of the podcasters that was pretty much uh, very encouraging and very inspiring for me to to start doing pinball podcasting. So uh, this episode, he sort of like ends up coaching me, I think I make a soft joke about it at some point. But he he brings up a lot of tips about podcasting and, and interview styles. And um, that's the kind of shit that I live for. I just love talking about conversation. <laughs> so we kind of had a conversation about conversation. I'm, I'm going to get into it. We're going to listen to it. We're going to listen to some good stuff and, and feel happy and um, enjoy. So hi, so how are you doing? I'm really well, Crystal. Thank you very much for having me on. That's I, I'm so glad to have you. Are you uh, are you guys still? You guys aren't locked down still, are you? No, we are now. I think we're now 14 days without a single case. So okay, no one's died, and there's no cases. So they they started easing restrictions probably about I don't know. I want to say maybe three four weeks ago, and. The big, the big one for me was they referred to it as the ring of steel, meaning it, there was there was almost like this you couldn't leave the, I guess the metropolitan area of Melbourne to go into regional areas, and a lot of people that I know and that I stream from are in regional areas, so I haven't been able to leave Melbourne. So, but we can get out, we can have people over, only two people a day, so there's they're not being crazy, uh, yeah, but. But I think what they, what they really did here uh, was they went for an eradication policy. So it was complete lockdown. And now we're seeing the benefits of that with no cases. So there That's you go. Long answer almost, to a, a short question. Yeah, almost directly the opposite of what's happening over here. Like, it's like yeah. scary. Yeah. Yeah. So. And with a lot more people over there. I don't know. I mean, the policy that we had here, which was a severe lockdown to go into stage four restrictions, uh, a lot of people weren't happy about it. So, you know, I don't know how people would respond to it over there. Yeah. You uh, you got a lot of pinball places over there where, where you're at, like in the metropolitan area that you that you visit? Not many. I think we probably had, before the lockdown, there was probably about five or six locations and a, a, a few of those, well, I think they're not, not necessarily shut down, but I think people that have had machines on location have taken them off. So right now, there's not a lot of pinball on location. Yeah, and no no tournaments, obviously, still, right? No, that's correct. We haven't had one since, well, probably January, I think, yeah. Mm, 
boy, that's a that's a shame. <laughs> so so, um, were you were you born in Melbourne? No, I was actually born in Sydney. So I moved here. Geez, probably twenty four years ago. I moved here for work. This is Melbourne. Moved to Melbourne and just loved it here. So I've stayed here. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. And uh, oh my gosh, this is starting to sound more like a job interview. <laughs> I was going to ask what it is that you. So the funny thing is, I only found out. A couple of days ago, which I, in the back of my mind I knew, but it was only when I was talking to Jeff Teolis, and because I mentioned that I was I was coming in on a show, and he said, "Oh, we love her," and I said, "Of course, we we love Crystal." And he said, "You know that she's from Toronto," and I'm like, "No, what? No, really? What? Is that true?" <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. It's actually I've been in the states for about the same amount of time that you've been in Melbourne. Right. Okay. Um, so I. Yeah, so I'm I'm mostly an American at this point. I still have like you know my deep Canadian roots that I that I stick to and that I I love. I I very much I do um do you like Neil Young at all? Have you heard any of Neil Young's? Music? I know who Neil Young is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, <laughs> okay. So so him and him and Joni Mitchell very much have this Americana like folk music kind of thing where they sing about a lot of like American uh, American things and and you if you didn't know any better you would think that they were American but they're they're from Canada. Um, mm. So a, a lot like Justin Bieber. Okay, cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, exactly <laughs> like Justin Bieber. <laughs> So, like, Neil Young, exactly, the the Justin Bieber of his time. Oh, so many people are wanting to send in death threats now. (laughs) Oh, poor Justin. I'm trying to think of a better Canadian musician that's more current. Um, I can't. Celine Dion, obviously, or Glass Tiger. These are the the bands, because obviously, you know, Jeff T. Hollis and I do Find Around People podcast. And we, we sort of rib each other about the taste of music. And so whenever we talk about the fact that he's from Canada, I always bring up so Glass yeah. Tiger as being... What is Glass? They had a song called, I think it was called Don't Forget Me When You're Gone. It was an 80s song. The band's called Glass Tiger. And so obviously they were a one-hit wonder and arguably a hit. So I always say to, to Jeff that that's the best band that Canada's ever produced. <laughs> <laughs> I don't um, think I've ever heard this. Yeah, yeah. Glass Tiger. I'm pretty sure the song's called Don't Forget Me When You're Gone. Let's Oh my gosh. I'll have to look for it. Oh, that's that's hilarious. That's does hilarious. he give you uh, does he give you crap about like ACDC and stuff? Yeah, he sort of says that ACDC really weren't Australian, but why 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 would I forgive me, I, I haven't listened to your guys' show in a in a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh and I, I feel I feel bad, but uh, I've mostly been st- actually sticking away from uh, pinball podcasts. I've been listening to a lot of other stuff, but um, you know, I watched your guys' uh, panel on Expo, the remote yes. panel that you guys did, which was which was awesome. And uh, I'm really glad I watched it because a lot of the questions that I was going to ask you today were actually answered in that panel. You guys did a really terrific job. Thank you. But, but yeah, it's well. What was really uh, interesting about that was that that you know we were asked. Well, Jeff really was asked to do a, an expo talk, but because it was video, and I'm more experienced doing video. I say like video production, like mm-hmm. I'm good at it. I I've just I'm referred to as a, a kinesthetic learner. I mean, okay. I have to do things to be able to learn. I can't just understand the theory. So I'm terrible in the classroom. Yep, I'm exactly the same way. I know exactly where you're coming from. So that's what I did with with video production was I saw some videos being produced. I'm like, huh, I'd love to know how people do that. So I then just, you know, downloaded, I think it was uh, Adobe Premiere Pro at the time and just started 
learning how to record and edit and do overlays and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And my first efforts were terrible, a lot like the podcast, right? You know, the, the first episodes of, of Head to Head, the quality was just not so great, but it's all learning and I just got better at doing it over time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, you guys, you guys are are so you have such an interesting dynamic, and I mean, it's it's the same with you and Ryan C, uh, and especially the three of you. Like, I remember seeing you guys. Maybe it was Expo or or somewhere where where you had traveled to the states for a tournament or for a show or something like that. And I mean, you guys were practically inseparable then too. Um, <laughs> so, uh, how do you guys keep each other accountable a lot when it comes to like delegating responsibilities, or is it a little bit more like, okay, you do this and I do this, and and that's that's how it is. Like, like how do you guys work that out? I think probably the the main thing is that we we would talk certainly via messenger every day. We would have mm-hmm. video chats every second day and we sort of review what the last podcast was. We talk about what we're going to do and we then sort of talk about who's going to do what. Mm-hmm. With final round, I so I had, I had finished head to head and was just like, you know what, I need a break from all of this. And that's when Jeff approached me to do Final Round. And he said, I will do all the editing. I will do all the show notes. You just have to record. And I went, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm up for that. But it's sort of now evolved into, I pretty much will edit the interviews and Jeff will do edit the rest and then do a final cut of the entire uh, podcast. I will then do our signature thing is to whoever we've got on the show to put their face into an image using mm-hmm. Photoshop. Uh, so it kind of is equal, but it's more, I think Jeff does more work than I do. But if we're trying to rush something out, we would just have a conversation and say, get this out as quick as possible. So therefore you might need to do more than the other. So sure. communication is the most important thing, really. Sure. And, and as with the, the podcast, you, you know, learning and getting better as you've been doing the podcast, your, your Photoshop skills have certainly gotten a lot better in the last few years as well, I have to say. <laughs> I would agree. Okay, it's one of those things. I look back at my early efforts and I go, oh God, what was I thinking? But you just do. I, for me, I get better at practicing things. Yeah, same. It, see, it's so funny. It's it's different with me because I'm I'm all by myself and, and all of the conversations I have with, with me in regards to the podcast just kind of happen in my head. And, you know, if I don't have a notepad, fuck all, it's going to be gone in 40 minutes because I'm going to forget mm. about it. Yeah. But um, but for the most part, it's it's you know the things that are the most important are are going to be forward. You know they're going to be there and and they're not yeah. going to be hard to forget. So you guys are certainly this is another habit I've been I've been trying to break or or find a way to nuance a little better is is resisting the urge to fangirl about guests <laughs> be, because it's like it's like a combination of of being really excited and and really interested and and you know like I mean I listened to to head to head back when I worked at the arcade and it was just me alone in an arcade with my boss and I'd have my headphones in and and I'd suddenly just be laughing out loud and he'd go what the f- what the fuck is she doing? Is she losing her mind? Because you guys would just make me, you know, you guys would make me laugh so hard. Uh, you were so so funny and and so great. And um, you know, like it's it's intimidating to to talk to your. Oh, I don't want to say heroes. I might be stretching it a bit. But, um. <laughs> I think that's really stretching it. I, I I am no one's hero. I can tell you that. <laughs> sure, I know. I know that if I you know if I had an interview with Nate Shivers, I would. I I mean, I don't know. I, I I'm the same right. with Nate Shivers, but. Yeah. Can I can I just say though mm. we I don't know whether you remember 
the history that you and I have. We've got a history that you probably wouldn't be aware of. You were the first person ever on on a streaming channel or, or streaming, I guess, to mention head to head. The very oh, really? first person. Yep, you were on uh, Deadlip, De- mm-hmm. and we were we were kind of like maybe four episodes in. So you got to remember that's four weeks. And we're just, we're just this Australian podcast that's just doing a podcast for Australians. And all of a sudden, there's this crystal on Deadflip mentioning head-to-head. That, for me, was kind of like, oh, my God, we've gone international. So, so I just want to say, like, for, for me back then, it was like, oh, my God, that's crystal from Deadflip. You know what I mean? So it goes I, both I, ways is I, what I, I'm saying. Oh, that's so funny. I don't even remember that. I mean, there's a lot of shit that I did on, on Deadflip that I don't remember, but. That was the point of it. And that's, and I guess that's with, with the plum and with a lot of the podcasts that we do, sometimes we do get a bit of flack that people are saying that we're doing it because we've got a big ego or we love the sound of our own voice. I think but what people don't really realize is that we're actually doing it because we want to give back to the community. That was the point of head to head. That's the point of final round. I'm assuming that's the point of the plum where you're talking about sort of events, what's going on in the live scene. That's kind of what we want to do is just entertain and give back to people. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and all of the different colors of podcasts are, are great to see. You know, I will definitely be the first to sort of say, oh, shit, another pinball podcast. Okay, well, what's this one about? You know, um, but give it the give it the benefit of the doubt and, and listen to what they have to say, because ultimately it's just another person who's excited about pinball and putting it out there, which is which is fucking awesome. Yeah, um, agreed. So the theme of your podcast, The Final Round, is is essentially you guys cover competitive pinball. And um, there's a lot of technical stuff to go over, which is, I think, another reason why I honestly, I haven't listened to it in a long time. Um, I hope that's not offensive. No, uh, not at all. God, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sure. But, the fact that I listen to yours as soon as the notification comes up, let's, let's just ignore that. The fact that you don't listen to mine. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I'll keep that in mind. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll learn from, <laughs> no, maybe I'll please, learn okay. from that mistake. <laughs> But don't don't forget, you've also got a life as well. So, you know, it's okay that you haven't listened to the podcast. Oh, dude, I I wanted to ask you, you have what, two kids, two daughters? I've got three daughters and a son. And and a cat, right? And a cat. (laughs) Winston the cat, that is correct. The most adorable freaking cat. Did that cat like... Yeah, he looks like he looks like a like a I am's commercial. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. So it's cute, gorgeous. But, but you, so not only do you podcast and you edit and you play competitively, and when it's normal times, you travel. Like, how do you manage that? Like, I'm by myself and I can barely manage to do a podcast on my own. Like, how how do you manage that? Like, well, I mean, I, I, so I've I've been in between jobs since. December. So even then, back then, I had a day job, which was a pretty, well, I was a full on. I mean, I I had something like 250 people reporting to me. So it was a a big job. It's, It's just the amount of energy that I've got to be able to put into things that I find enjoyable. I, I think for me, I've got to be really careful with the energy that I give because I'm a very all or nothing. So if something doesn't interest me, I give it zero time. Yep. Things that interest me, I give it every ounce of energy that, that my body can muster up. And so yep. that's usually job, that's podcast, that's pinball, it's children, it's 
uh, gaming, like I play video games as well. I just looking at my brand new PS5 that's sitting in front of me as well. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. So things that, things that I love, yeah. it's all in. Things yeah. that I don't love, it's completely all out. Yeah. See, this is another thing that I really love about about the people that play pinball. A lot of the people that play pinball, not to not to generalize, but there's a Venn, there's almost like a Venn diagram of nerd shit where it's like a lot of pinball players like um, like automotive, like they have automotive hobbies where they have yes. vintage cars, or yeah. you know, a lot of people like to do like frisbee golf or board gaming or you know D and D. And, and they take these hobbies on so passionately along with pinball. So to be in that community and only experience these people playing pinball, to hear that they do some other shit that they're super excited about, yeah. it's it's incredible to me. I, this is a, one of the other reasons why I wanted to start the podcast was I wanted to be like, all right, well, what else? <laughs> what else have you got? You know. <laughs> but it's also interesting that we are in a hobby that I still think – Today, there's a bit of a stigma with it. Anyone that's outside of the pinball community mm-hmm. kind of look at you a bit funny, either kind of like, oh, that's cute, or oh, that's a bit weird. Or <laughs> usually, do they still make pinball? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what, what's good about that is because we get that a lot. When so, someone says to me, uh, and, and I, I, I had somebody that, um, so that Jordan, Jordan Treadaway, who's like this massive player in Australia, he and his dad race boats, like sort of little, little. I say little boats, but that's what they do. And in my mind, I think I would never, ever be interested in something like that. But because I'm, my hobby is pinball, I look at that and I go, good on you. If that's what's making you happy and filling you with joy, then I'm, I'm all for it. Go for it. And a lot of the, the hobbies that pinball people are into are still relatively fringe-based hobbies and that's what yeah. makes it so interesting oh yeah absolutely i i have uh, you know um i always love the idea of if i could like switch bodies with somebody or or have some kind of a different experience you know one of those uh f- like fantasy sort of ideas uh, i i love the idea of going back in time to when i first started playing pinball and having that mentality of of wait what pinball that's a what is that what is, mm-hmm. that's a thing people mm-hmm. are into this whoa people play competitively because i mean one of my first memories was watching this kid play metallica and and like control his multi-ball and trap up and you know hit the shots that he was aiming for and i, I remember seeing that and being like like my heart skipped a beat i was like that's incredible mm-hmm. <laughs> and and that feeling and that experience is is very special and i don't think it you know it doesn't happen very often so to find any hobby not just pinball engage somebody like that is it's so it's so special like i don't know yeah I would love to see like a graph or some sort of a, you know, some kind of data of the number of people who play pinball who are also on the spectrum or like neurodivergent, you know. Uh, Oh, yeah. It'd be be pretty high. But also what's good about that is, and and it's kind of what I was alluding to before, is the the, the pinball community is so embracing of that, of people's differences. And there are people obviously spectrum as well and it's like you know what we probably all are as well so just come one come all let's just kind of be kind of cool nerds together you know cool nerd bubble i guess yeah let's share some share some information which is yeah about just a great great thing yeah agreed do you do you talk to ryan like every single day is he like your pinball boyfriend (laughs) i do speak to him a lot uh in fact i'm actually going over to his place tomorrow night to stream Rick and Morty, Rick and Morty has finally just 
arrived here in Australia. So um, have you played it yet? No, I haven't. Tomorrow night will be the first time. I I mm. last week I streamed Guns and Roses for the first time, and okay. that was with Ryan and Jesse J. That was the first new pinball machine I'd played since. I can't even remember what came. Probably Stranger Things because I I played Turtles last night for the first time. I have haven't played Avengers because that's still not here in Australia. I don't think, or it might be here. So and Rick and Morty. So this whole year, there's been I haven't been able to go out and play games. So this week it is. It's it's Guns and Roses. I've already played Turtles. I'm going to play Rick and Morty. I'm going to play. And Avengers should, I think, only be a week or two away. That's so exciting. It kind of is. But, you know, I've had to go through nine months of no new pinball. And the, the downside of that is I am, I've only got four pinball machines at home and I am sick to the back teeth of them. <laughs> even Jurassic <laughs> you... Park. Even Jurassic Park. I've got a, a limited edition Jurassic Park. I'm now starting to go, oh, my God, Jurassic Park. So I've got Jurassic Park, Wizard of Oz, Star Trek and Lord of the Rings. Well, at least you'll be really good at those in tournaments in the future. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny you should mention that because I kind of have gone off playing in tournaments. Why? Um, Because I think that there's something about tournaments that people love that I stopped loving. And that is the adrenaline of the win-lose situation. You're either, okay. You either win or you lose. Mm-hmm. So I got more joy out of putting on tournaments and a lot of my effort. So rather than doing, I, I used to do a, it was a selfie league with a monthly finals. Um, and then yeah. I started Melbourne Silver Ball Championship, which is, you know, relative, I say relatively big. It's 150 people size tournament. So one of the, the bigger ones in Australia. And, you know, I've got a full streaming setup similar to what Carl D'Angeli does with Indisc at, at IE Pinball. So being able to switch multiple machines. I'm now finding that I get more joy out of putting the tournament on. And in fact, the last one that I did, I didn't even compete in it. I actually just enjoyed putting on the event. And it was part of an, a big expo type thing called Flip Out. So I was involved in that. That's kind of what's giving me joy. And so when we talk about Final Round, what I like about Final Round is it's not just about talking about competitions. It's talking about how you can be more competitive in any scene, whether it be with your, your friends at home or whether it's in a tournament as well. So, so you cover you cover it not only as a competitor, but you you'll talk about tournaments uh, like formats and yes. like dealing with rules, or if you have to make a ruling that's difficult or yep. or things like that. We sort of became it wasn't what we uh, originally thought we were going to do, but we kind of came out as a bit of a gateway into tournament discussions. Uh, you know, if if we, if we spent an hour talking about whoppers and the calculations <laughs> oh. for tournaments no one's interested in that well maybe three or four people are interested in that but Snore fast correct but if we talk about <laughs> how you as getting into tournaments can get better whoppers without talking about the formulas and what goes into it people mm-hmm. sort of go oh okay at least i see my path forward that's more interesting i think do you think the do you think the joy the joy that comes from putting on tournaments has, uh, and this is going to sound, this might sound like a little bit dark the way sure. I'm going to put it, but <laughs> do, do you think that that has something to do with like power? Because us talking about this right now, I 
again, once again, I totally agree with you because I, I have a hard time with competing a lot. Either I'm a sore loser or when I win, I get a little bit too high about it. But I found that when I do put on a tournament, so for instance, I have tried to start Bells and Chimes Columbia down here. Okay. It's been a little it's been a little difficult because of the, you know, the restrictions and, and businesses and stuff like that. And I don't want to put myself or anyone else in danger. But the one time I did it, we had I think four four women show up, which was sure. great. It's great, you know, that's yeah. three more than than nothing. And uh I did. I got a, a great joy out of it. And I think that there was as far as I'm concerned, maybe just a little bit of, of what's the word, like, not euphoria, but just a, a great feeling of, of being able to have that that control, right? Because it's something that that we can control, as opposed to, you know, doing your very, very best in a tournament and playing your very best, but you're playing up against someone who's been playing five years longer than you have. So you don't have control over that. Does that make sense? It, it it does, and I would say I would I would put probably more emphasis on control than power. I don't power really power. comes. <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like freaking uh, like Xanos or not Xanos. What's his name? Uh, Thanos. Thanos. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember when I started Melbourne Silver Ball when when it was the league. I think I was very controlling. And I think mm-hmm. it was because there were so many moving parts to set up a – because I, I, I literally went to Indisc in 2016. It was January 2016. Spoke to Carl, saw his setup, saw his format, and came back and went, right, I'm setting up um, a new league in Melbourne. It was the Melbourne Silver Ball League. Mm-hmm. And it was new format. So it was the new selfie leagues that had only just been about one or two months old. And it was a full streaming setup. So I had to do all of that. And I just kind of felt, for me – that if I controlled everything, I was responsible for everything. And if something broke, I knew how to fix it immediately because I was in control of setting it up over time. So now the Melbourne Silver Ball Championship that it's become has about eight people in the the tournament crew, the committee that we've got, and they all do different mm-hmm. things. So someone's tech, someone's a, a um, does rules, somebody looks after the stream, somebody looks after like the teams of scoring and, and scheduling and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So over time, I've had to let go of that control. Um, sure. Still, when it comes to, to streaming, and, and Ryan C knows this because we streamed the other, other night, he said, oh, I would offer to help you pack up, but I know what you're like. You don't want me to touch your gear. And I went, yep, absolutely. Do not touch my stuff because I know exactly how to unpack it in a certain order. So when I repack it, it's easy. That's, just a, that's a control thing. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Oh, that's too fun. Yeah. I um, I, I can't like see in all of that stuff. This is this is one of the things that I think there there is amount of like, there's a certain amount of struggle with that kind of thing. Like I... The idea of streaming just is so daunting to me. I mean, the idea of podcasting was daunting to me as well. But all that gear, all those, all that technical shit, it's, um, I really admire the people who have been doing it. And the fact that so many more people have been doing it during quarantine has been, it's been awesome. It's been really cool to see. Some people have been learning a lot quicker than other people. Um, but it's still, I don't, I mean, I don't care if you're using your cell phone to be like, all right, well. I'm going to play whatever now and and here we are and I'll tune in and I'll be like, yeah, cool. Hey, let's talk. <laughs> yeah, absolutely agreed. Oh, yeah, again, I'm, I'm so pleased to see so many people streaming. It's just, yeah, 
we all want to be entertained. So that's yeah. a good way of doing it. So you you used to travel a lot for pinball. About Correct. how how often would you travel, I would say, in a normal year to either shows or tournaments? So well, I it guess was, it's always it was always a tournament, wasn't it? Well, it kind of. It was. Uh, mm-hmm. it was twice twice a year, usually in disc and Pinburg. I I had made the decision that I was going to do a each year I was going to do a pinball show and I was going to do a tournament. So I think last year was TPF and Pinburg. This okay. year was going to be in disc and expo. Oh. But then something mm. changed. Mm. And that was the launch of Deep Root, which I know you went to. So I went, mm. oh, okay, I'm going to – I actually cashed in all my frequent flyer points and decided to go to Texas to TPF, but that got cancelled. So Ugh. I know, I know. <sighs> so crazy. I, uh, I was kind of disappointed, but what was happening at the time – because this was like March, wasn't it? TPF was March? Yeah. yeah, it was supposed to be. And it's funny because now that I think about it, I remember MGC was going to be the immediate following weekend after TPF. Mm. Yeah, and They were going to be back to back. And um, my my work, we were going to do both shows. Yeah, um, right. We, we were just in the starting, like the starting phases of, of planning and, and getting, you know, hotels booked and all of that nonsense. And ultimately, you know, my boss said, you know, we're not, we're, it's not, it's not happening. And then I think a day later they announced, uh, you know, that TPF wasn't happening. So well, and um, what's, what's really, I, I would imagine really interesting for that is that because Marcos puts on a big effort at these shows, like you can always, you can always see the the banners, probably more so than even the manufacturers themselves. They're always a big thing. So to actually not have that is a big deal. It's not just money. It's the fact that you've got all this stuff ready to go to be sent, people to to go as well, to then say, well, sorry, we can't go. It's actually a big deal. Yeah, yeah, that uh, that's about 12 or 13 hours of, of work that we mm. put into that. And it was... It was something that I was really looking forward to this year because it was something as far as like my career was concerned. I was I was looking mm. forward to learning learning how to help put on a show essentially and to, you know, I wanted to try and step up and, and take more responsibility for that kind of stuff. So um, the fact that that didn't get to happen was kind of a bum out. But mm. um, hopefully, I don't know, I guess we'll see. It's I one step know. at a time. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it really is. I mean, even even with us now that we're f- we're almost open, we uh, so mm-hmm. our, our event for for Melbourne Superball Championship and Flip Out was meant to be early December. Now that's obviously not going to happen, and I just sure. don't know when when is normality going to be here for us to have a yeah. big expo like Chicago Pinball Expo or TPF or whatever the, the mm-hmm. other big ones are where people can just walk around without having to be masked or do social distancing. I just don't know how far away that is, but it's not it's not it's not in the near future. That's what I think. Yeah, I don't I don't think so either. I think at the very least we will still have to wear masks. I think that there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be cautious for for a very long time, even if this vaccine, you know, if there's a vaccine that actually ends up being successful and it can be widely distributed within the next year, which who knows if that's even going to be possible. But mm. um, if it is, I think that there's still going to be quite an amount of caution taken. Yep. Uh, Agreed. I just honestly, I've heard so many people say like, honestly, I could wear a mask out all the time now. <laughs> like, yeah, please stay set. Please stay seven feet from away from me now. 
like yeah. all the time. But you know, it's we've talked about it here, there, and everywhere since since March um, because it is a social hobby. And uh, playing one one or four pinball machines by yourself for nine months is it's not you know it doesn't really scratch that itch, <laughs> like you said. Well, I'm lucky in that I get to stream and talk to people and, and obviously yeah. I watch a lot of streaming so I, I, I chat to people. It's not the same as seeing people in person, but mm-hmm. it's certainly more enjoyable, I think, than than not viewing streaming or, or actually doing streaming myself. So for those people that are, are feeling a little bit lonely, just go to twitch.tv, search pinball and just watch somebody play pinball and interact with them. I think you'll be better oh, off for yeah. it. And you might make a new friend too. Yeah, mm-hmm. correct. Correct. Yeah, I know that I've probably made about two or three new friends just from watching pinball streaming. And yeah. either they're on the network or I just find them randomly. Like the girls that are the women, excuse me, that are in Chicago, one of which started Bells and Chimes Chicago, they started a streaming channel, which is called Hot Nudge. Mm-hmm. And they started streaming just on Sundays and they were called Hot Nudge Sunday, which I thought was just the damn cleverest name. Love it. That is very clever. <laughs> So, yep. so smart. Um, they're actually coming to Columbia next weekend. I'm really stoked. Hopefully they'll be safe still. I don't know what's going to go on there, but um, it'll it'll be cool. Uh, I want to ask you, when you have like big interviews, like are there interviews where you get really like kind of circling back to what I was talking about before? Are there interviews where you do get nervous before? Do you know what? There's There was actually only one, one interview that I was nervous about and I'll, I'll explain why I was nervous. It was actually Gary Stern. When I interviewed Gary Stern, I was nervous, A, because it was Gary Stern, Mm -hmm. B, because I was doing the interview on my own. It was kind of just as Joe Lemire had started on the podcast, but we'd organized this interview with Gary Stern. So I was doing it on my own. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was kind of like going to be the first interview after Ryan had retired. And, And I felt that Ryan and I had this really good tag team of interview techniques that, that we used. So I was I was anxious because it was the first interview that I'd done on my own. It was Gary Stern, but also I felt pressure to make it interesting because, you know, Gary is a sales guy. Let, let's face it, obviously he's, he's a CEO, so he knows operations, but he's a sales guy. So you're going to get a lot of brochure wear talk from him. I, I felt this pressure to try and relate to him in a very different way than anybody else had. And, and the way I did it was to talk to him about running a business, business models, marketing plans, financial plans, operating plans, <laughs> and it seems really kind of boring and dry, but I kind of, I, I hedged my bets. I kind of thought that this would be refreshing for him. And it was. There was this moment he kind of said, oh, you know, we're a lifestyle brand and we'd blah, 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 blah. And then from the first question I asked him, which I, I can't remember what it was, he kind of just went, huh, this is not the the, the standard interview that I'm going to get. And I started getting all this really good information from him that nobody else had gotten just because I took a different angle. But I was really nervous throughout that entire interview. Sure. That's oh, that's such a wonderful feeling when you when you do an interview or when you when you see an interview that happens where there's a there's a, an engagement that is outside of the typical Q and A, yep. and I I really admire that. Like I think that you and I have talked a little bit about like other podcasts, and I recommended uh, Mark Marin to you, and I think you said you hadn't heard him, but he's definitely one of those people that uh, I've heard 
celebrities and musicians and comedians all say like there's something about sitting down in front of his microphone and his little mm-hmm. garage that he has that you, it's almost like you're in freaking confession like you just you just <laughs> open up and and the people who who have that capability are they're they're very talented i think honestly and to say that they know what they're doing is probably an overstatement like i'm sure that they get nervous as well but uh is there anybody that you like to listen to that does like really good interviews that's not uh, like a pinball podcaster I don't listen to any other podcasts outside of Pimble. So Really? No, okay. I, I really I really don't. But that's gonna change. That's gonna change. Um, but at the moment it, it because Pimble is still what I'm really focused on, I um sure. like if some if somebody's interviewing somebody, it doesn't matter how good the interview is, if it's on a topic that I'm not interested in, remember what I said yeah. before? I'm either all in or I'm all out. So, yes, absolutely. Yep. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> bit black gotcha. and white there. Yeah. But the, 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 the real challenge of doing a good interview is being able to be in the moment, listening to the person that you're interviewing, so you're turning it into a conversation. The yeah. real art is being able to do that whilst also being mindful of your audience at the same time. Yeah. You've got to have those two things happening at the same time that's it's a bit of a challenge and it's a bit of an art and not everybody can do it well. It is. It's very difficult. I know, I know for sure it's easy to get stuck inside your own head and to, I mean, even just having normal conversations with other people, you know, even pinball or not pinball, whatever, a, a lot of people are in that mindset where they're like, okay, I know what I'm going to say next. And they're focusing on that. So the conversation is not being, it's, it's not a, how do I phrase it? The thread is not there, right? Like it's right. just people almost competing with one another to say words and um, the, the engagement. It's tough, man. That's that's so tough. Well, well I can say. tell you that historically with um, with Head to Head, and it absolutely backs up what you're saying. When we mm. did our first interview, and I can't remember who it was, it might have even been Steve Bowden might have been the first real sort of international guest that we had on. Um, Ryan sent me the list of questions that he had. There was 50 questions. And and I was kind of like, yeah, that's cool, mate. How about we mm-hmm. just have, have a conversation? So he, he did, I guess I, over time, he would not have as many, like 50 questions. He might have 10 or 12. How sure. the, the, I talked about before about the dynamics that we had. I would be the person that would set up the question. I would say, you know, open question, tell me about a time and tell me about your marketing plan, tell me about the future. And then Ryan would come in with those qualifying. The point of it is you can't know where the conversation's going to go if you want a really good, robust, enjoyable conversation. Let it go wherever it's going to go. Somehow guide it to some of the questions that you want. Try and do some segues, but just have a conversation and see where it ends up and Probably the, the most fun we had with an interview was Chris Granner. And we didn't know really where it was going to go. And he just took it in all these different directions. And we were laughing hysterically because he was entertaining us. I'll have to go back now and, and listen to some of these interviews because they're uh, they're kind of striking a little a little bell in my head. I'm like, yeah, I think I remember that. And I <laughs> certainly remember like, you know, like the Steve Bowden interview and yeah, um, I might have missed the Gary Stern one, but I, I definitely should go back and listen to those because what? I feel like you know 
you guys might have been on your game at the same level that I'm on my game right now. <laughs> For buckets. I don't know how this I don't know how this interview ended up turning into a, a, a coaching session for me and my podcast. <laughs> But look, there you go. George I'm Gomez like, was another one. George Gomez was one of our best interviews that we ever did. And yeah. we didn't have a lot of questions for that. We just wanted to see what he had to say. And mm-hmm. oh, it's one of those things where you finish recording and we just go, holy crap, that was amazing. Where did that come from? That's you just got to let people do what they do. That's so great. Yeah. I know I think I had like maybe six major questions and I might have already covered them at this point. And that's where I'm like... <laughs> Okay, yeah. so where does this conversation go next? What else can Marty? What else can Marty tell me? And I mean, that's what like the last time I uh, when I talked to Brad, uh, Brad Albright, who is the he's the illustrator who does you know some posters and stuff like that. Um, I've met Brad. He's he, my guy. Yeah, he's awesome. He was so he was fun to talk to. I like talking to him. Like he was asking me questions, and I was yeah. like, this is awesome. And then a part of me was like, wait a minute, you need to dial down your ego a little bit, Crystal. <laughs> Um, well, no, well, okay. So, if 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 the floodgates are already open, I want to ask you a question. Okay, yeah. How have you found moving and now being a part of Marcos? Like, is has that been a major change for you, or is it just go with the flow, Crystal? Uh, it's a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. Um, mm. It's very huge change, a huge cultural change for sure, because uh, the South you know, South United States is, is a different culture from a huge metropolitan area in the the Midwest. Uh, you know, it's, it's always humid down here. It's a red, mostly a red state. Yep. <laughs> and, you know, I, I don't get to ride my bike to work. I don't get to go out to the bar every single night, which is probably a better thing, honestly, <laughs> when I think about it, you know, it's, it's very, it's a, it's a much quieter lifestyle, which I honestly, I appreciate. The other thing that I really appreciate is that because I have a car now, I'm able to drive to more tournaments. Well, when right. it's not, when, when it's normal yeah. times. Yeah. So that's something that has changed. Like I, it, the first year that I was here, I became a tournament player for, for a short time. And um, I was really enjoying it. And I was really actually engaging with it a little bit more than I did when I was in Chicago, because I think that Chicago has so many big name pinball players, like high ranked pinball players. I mean, you got the Sharp Brothers, you have, you know, Jason Wardrick, all of these people who are just really, really good and intimidating and always there. And it was kind of a level that was too intense for me to to engage with as far as tournaments are concerned, Um, just being a, a beginner to intermediate pinball player. And because I'm not naturally inclined to be competitive, that was sort of a roadblock for me. When I came down here, it was like, oh, okay, well, it's a small, you know, there's a small amount of players in South Carolina. There are very good players, obviously, who are who are highly ranked, but I felt like I had a little bit more of a chance, I guess. Yeah. Which is which is interesting to me because I feel like you travel across the country and you see all these people who play in different cities and different states and, and where they come from and, and the places that they play. And, and I wonder if they have a similar mindset. I don't know if that's if that's true for for Australia and and where people play pinball in Australia as well. But, um, and I know that everyone's different, especially as far as like having a competitive mindset or not having a competitive mindset or, you know, wanting to play in tournaments or, or what have you, but um, it's been really interesting. Just on that, I mean, it really is interesting about people's tournament journey. And I think really what it is, Mm -hmm. is the more tolerance you have to failure. Cause the Mm -hmm. more you can, the more you can do a last placed win 
which then mm-hmm. becomes a second last place and then a third last and then a fourth, fifth, and then all of a sudden you're in the top eight and then you're in the top four. It's your ability mm-hmm. to push through all that disappointment to just get better and better because right now I think competition pinball is more competitive than it was four or five years ago. I actually believe the skill of players is more than it was five years ago. So if you go into a tournament right now and you are, let's just say randomly you you walk up to a place in America and you go, oh, there's a tournament on tonight. I'm going to play. And Raymond Mm -hmm. Davidson is in the tournament or Esha Lefkoff is in the tournament or, you know, all the top players. You, the, the gap between you and them is so huge that if you if you judged your enjoyment on the gap between you and that top player, you're not going to enjoy it. You've got to set yeah. yourselves more realistic goals to improve to oh, one yeah. day get up to that standard. And that's what I've loved seeing is people start playing tournaments not being so good and then all of a sudden being in Australia's top 20 players that yeah. is what's great I, I know that uh, at Pinburg last year uh, let's see last year oh god what year is it um I was I was actually I played well enough to be put into a bank uh, against some quality a players and someone that was in a bank with me was Mr. Keith Owen sure you know, I was acquaintance with him because he had just moved to Chicago uh, recently to, you know, take the job with Stern. And, and I'd spoken with him a couple of times. He had come to the arcade to play. And I've, I've certainly played pinball with him before. But to play with him at, at Pinburg was was really interesting because the back of my mind, I did have that idea of like, oh, my gosh, I'm playing against this huge player. And, and I think I've learned how to how to quiet that sort of that sort of noise. Mm. I know what happened when I first met Bo and Karen's and became acquainted acquainted with him. I'd see him at shows, we'd play pinball for fun and I would say, well, "This is fun." You know, who cares that he's one of the best players in the world? Like, yeah. we're we're playing pinball, we're having a good time and he's probably going to teach me something. Yes. Like, right? Like that's such a positive way of looking at it and it's a uh, it's really hard. I know that it's hard in any kind of competitive atmosphere to put your ego behind you or to put your ego on mute, you know, to, to let your, to let your, I don't even know what it's called in terms of psychology, but like to just let yourself be like, I am capable of doing this. These are the things I'm capable of doing and I'm going to try and do it. Yep. And and to keep that in mind and to do it is, um, I think it's really important and to try and keep that ego quiet and be like, you know what, I'm going to do what I know. And I'm going to have a good time doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Right? And that, right? if I do it, that will be a win to me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There's, agreed. I love that moment at Penberg because I think we we were put on a turd of a game. Oh, God, what game was it? It was, um, I always want to call it Orphan Annie and the Aliens, but it's not Orphan Annie. Oh, it's Asteroid Annie. Asteroid Annie. Annie, yeah. Yeah. I like it's that just, game. Really? Yep, I do. Drop the drop targets and then... Sure. Drop the, just drop the drop targets all day long. I like game. I like a lot of games that people don't like. Really? Well, because I I have oh my oh, I have played so much pinball in my life, so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had pinball machines at my school growing up. Right? Really? Yeah, absolutely. Wow, lucky. So, um, so the, so I have played so much pinball. I have played nearly every pinball machine that's ever been released and many times. Mm-hmm. So I gravitate to to the unusual and the left of center 
because I want to experience something different as opposed to something that's just slightly different to a, a machine that I've already played. Sure, sure. Is this this is one of the reasons why you guys have this uh you guys have been doing versus episodes where you just keep uh pitting turds against one another. <laughs> well, right? You you say turds. <laughs> or I would say well, underrated I mean, games. <laughs> I was I was doing air quotation turds. <laughs> underrated games. I like that. Cuz would would you so, say would you say that Demolition Man is a turd? No, absolutely not. No, it's underrated. Sopranos, some people would say it's a turd, but it's not. It's underrated. Okay. I haven't played a lot. I haven't spent a lot of time on Sopranos, so I, I don't think I would be able to to qualify, to have a, a qualified opinion because um, I don't remember. I just remember there's like a dancing titty girl or something, right? <laughs> <laughs> but And that's why these underrated lists are are really interesting because oh. there are a lot of games that don't get their their limelight, but they're actually really quite interesting because they're different. Yeah, I've got one for you. I just thought of one. Go. So 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 an underrated turd, air quotes turd that I love is Shrek. <gasps> okay. Do you know what's oh my God. So do I. Not family guy. And not, not family, family guy. guy. Shrek. Oh my yes. God. I, you yeah. and I, oh, wow, we're, we're probably the only people that would think this. And, and people do say, oh, I don't mind Family Guy. And I'm like, oh, play Shrek. Shrek is a better version of Family Guy just because I think the call-outs are more integrated into the play field. Yes, I absolutely agree. And honestly, I like the shot layout. I think it's a great shot layout. Sure. Um, even the upper play field, like, you know, I, I don't know. I like it. I think it's challenging. Mm-hmm. I It's almost like, uh, kind of reminds me of the Munster's underplay field. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. A little similar, right? Yeah. 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 Um, for sure. The only thing that, that really is kind of off-putting for that game is in, in Family Guy, it's the beer can. I don't know what it is in Shrek, but it's just that clunky cylinder right in the middle of the play field that kind of just seems odd. Yeah, it's supposed to be like a mirror of Prince Charming or something, right? Oh, okay. I can't remember. Yeah, it's it's odd. I, I totally agree. It could have been something else. It could have been like a tree stump. They could have made it. But I absolutely agree with you that that yeah. right there is a criminally underrated game. Not yeah, many people agree. would agree with this. I, I think, no, I'm so, I'm so glad. Yeah, hooray. <laughs> let's, get a, let's get a code update on Shrek. Come on. Well, well, I'll tell you what. So what we did with the underrated pinball Battle Royale, Jeff and Ooh. I listed our, I think it was 16 games that we thought were underrated. But here you go, everybody. Exclusive news on the plum. The next, we are going to continue with the underrated pinball Battle Royale, but we are now going to get everybody else to tell us what they think are underrated machines and then we're going to create the next Battle Royale. Oh, well, I hope Shrek is there. Well, you'll just have to you'll have to listen to our podcast first and then, yes. and then yes, you can nominate Shrek. God, I'm so bad. I'm such a deadbeat, man. <laughs> it's all like, right. I'm like, okay. I'm like, I listened to Head to Head back in the day and that's probably enough, right? <laughs> Like, it's absolutely fun. And, and I know a lot of people, I listen to their podcasts and I, I chat with them all the time. They don't yeah. listen to Final Round because yeah. it's all about competitive pinball. I'm like, you know what? I get that. 
there are podcasts yeah. I don't listen to and I'm not going to apologize for it. That podcast just doesn't appeal to me. So, nah, don't worry about that kind of stuff at all. Totally. And we don't, we don't even know. With, with Head to Head, we knew our stats. We knew how many people listened to us per day, actually per hour, what mm-hmm. country they were coming from, what browser they used, what podcatcher they used, whatever. With Final Round, we don't know our stats at all. And yeah. don't want to know. Yeah. Don't want to know. We just want to just have some fun every fortnight. And if people like it, great. Yeah. I thought about that the other day because I, I was really excited to do the Mike Vinicor episode. and Which I, I know that. Good. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. I And I got a lot of positive feedback about it, which I was really happy about. And I just kept thinking, like, again, with the ego, I was like, oh, my God, I wonder how many people. I wonder how many people. Mm. I'd love to see the stats. I'd love to see the stats. But now, I, you know, honestly, that would just keep me from going on to the next thing when you think about it. Like, um, maybe it's a silly analogy, but it's something that, that sort of I can think to compare it to is like doing a flip frenzy. Because when you're doing a flip frenzy – you're playing a game, and if you have a shit game, you don't have time to worry about it. You have to go on to the next one. Mm-hmm. And you know, if your next one is great, that's great, cool. But you have to go on to the next one and get another win. Yep. So, and that's I think that you know, thinking about it in in that way, as far as like obsessing over the previous episode, obviously you can get constructive constructive thoughts about it, you know, examining the way that it went, uh, you know, looking at how you might be able to do something differently as far as editing or, you know, vocal tics or whatever, or the way that the conversation goes. Um, those are all constructive things. Um, but I guess like with anything, you don't want to focus on it for too long. Otherwise you're just going to get a little crazy. <laughs> yeah. Get inside your head. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. So, well, we're at an hour, which is beautiful. Oh, oh shit! Before I before I forget, so I I was asked to ask you about the time that you crashed your BMW into a ditch. <laughs> Who's asked you that? Why do people remember this? <laughs> it's uh, I don't know if you remember me telling you it was at Pinburg last year. Uh, my coworker who has. A massive crush on you. Uh, he, <laughs> he he's a he was a big fan of Head to Head. He really he enjoyed your show a lot. And um, when I told him that I was interviewing you, he said, "Oh my god, ask him about when he crashed his BMW." And was it a motorcycle or was it a car? Yes. So yes, it was. Yes. <laughs> it was no. It was yes. It was my BMW car. Mm-hmm. We Ryan and I had been to someone's house uh, a good friend of mine hashman dave hampson hi dave and ray uh so we were at his house i think it might have been their christmas party or whatever it was and we were leaving and <laughs> what oh god so i did first of all i reversed my car into a wall and then got a bit spooked by that so then i moved forward and my car went into a ditch what I had to do was then, because, you know, it, it's a BMW and BMW drivers get a really bad reputation for being terrible drivers, which I am not, Crystal. How dare you insinuate that? So what I, I then had to do was walk back into the party and say, yeah, guys, I've put my BMW in a ditch. Can I get you to come out and push my car? <laughs> That's not the best bit. The best bit was 
Ryan got out and pushed the car as he was pushing, oh, pushing and pushing, rip, ripped his jeans in the crotch. Ripped his jeans in the crotch. I've got a photo of it. That's that was and in front of everybody that had come out. There was twenty people all out witnessing a the embarrassment of my BMW being in a ditch and B Ryan splitting the crotch of his pants trying to push my car. Was it was it raucous laughter? Like oh, did everyone just tears? It was tears. And what what you got to understand is as people are pushing my car and I'm trying to to steer my car out. I'm going, hang on, grab my phone so I can take a photo. Getting a photo of Ryan's split jeans was more important to me than getting my car out of the ditch. (laughs) Priorities, my man, priorities. Priorities. And you know what? The the memory of the ditch is behind me. I have photographic evidence of the split jeans. So I'd say I made the right choice. (laughs) Terrific. Good on you. So oh, you, thank it. you for bringing that up. That was a very embarrassing moment in my life. Thank you. <laughs> Anytime. I think he was also partially uh, partially interested because he used to work in a BMW. Uh, uh, there you go. Dealership or some shit. So, yeah, but, there you go. All right, Marty. Well, I think that's I think that's it. Unless awesome. you want to talk about like Harry Potter for an hour or something. <gasps> oh, <laughs> stop. Some. So. Oh. No, no, because obviously, obviously I want a Harry Potter pinball machine more than anything in the world. It is a dream theme. It is take my money. The the rumor is that Kapow may have the license, which means it could be a stern machine. But I, I don't care who does it. Get me a freaking Harry Potter machine, please. Yeah. Yeah, please. Also, you you're okay. You're you're a fan as well. Oh, for sure. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I'm a uh, uh, Huff Hufflepuff. Well, uh, it's the <gasps> I'm Hufflepuff. Sl- Slitherpuff. Mm. Yeah. Yep. No, yep. I always identify I'm, I'm hu- as Hufflepuff. Yep. Mostly Hufflepuff, and uh, sometimes I lean to Slytherin because I like to be a little bit ambitious, and you know. Mm, okay. All of that stuff, but sure. yeah, yeah, Hufflepuff. Mm-hmm. Nice. This I knew. I knew that's why I liked you. Yeah. See, there you go. Like it's it's this whole. Oh, <laughs> we're both Leos. Or we're both Pisces. It's like no, no, no. Uh, we're both Hufflepuff, right? That's the new, yeah. that's the new star sign. It's, it's important. It's important. <laughs> All right. Awesome. All right. Oh my gosh, what is it? It's like two o'clock over there. Yeah, it is. Is it winter? Is it no? It's summer now. It's summer now. So right now it is. Oh, it's twenty degrees. Well, I don't know what that is okay. in, in Fahrenheit, but it's 20 degrees Celsius. It was 33 degrees yesterday or the day before. So, yeah. It's probably like 70 or 80 or something like something that. Something like that, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Where can the good people find you, Marty? Probably the best place to interact with us is Final Round Pinball. That's uh, at Facebook. Uh, it's at Final Round Pin on Twitter. It's Final Round Pinball Podcast on Instagram. And it's Final Round Pinball at gmail.com. Or there's also oh. Melbourne Silver Ball. So Melbourne Silver Ball on, on Facebook, uh, Twitch is twitch.tv slash Melbourne Silver Ball. Terrific. I always feel bad because I'll see the notification like when I wake up and I'm like, God damn it, I missed it. <laughs> I like, I'm going to be watching you guys at three o'clock in the morning. I mean, I don't know. I've been losing sleep lately. So maybe one of these days I will <laughs> tune in. <laughs> try and the, the soothing sounds of Melbourne Silver Ball League will, will put me to sleep. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right. Marty, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. 
Thanks, Crystal. I love your podcast, as you know, because I message you all the time and saying how much I enjoy it. So thank you. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Good night and good day. <laughs> <laughs> good day, mate. So that was Marty Robbins. Thank you, Marty, for coming on the show. Um, as he mentioned, you could find him, uh, you could find the final round stuff on Facebook and on the on the Bimmel Network. He's my he's my network brother, I guess you could say. <laughs> um, as usual, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, I'm the Plum Pinball. You can find me on Gmail if you want to email me those stories about Pinberg. I'd really love to hear them. It's uh, the Plum Pinball Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, that's it. Happy flipping. Keep your head up. Keep your chins up. Um, your multiple chins, or keep your chins down. Show us show us your chins. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Yeah, so wash your hands. Wear a mask. Be safe. I love you. Bye.